here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, I'm Tracy Lysenberg with Saving Kiwi Foundation, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, my name is Santa Fortel. I'm a young coaster enthusiast, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Christopher Werner from Christopher Werner Designs, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, I'm Robert Coker of Super 78 and the Season Pass Podcast, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and let us both through. Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can dry up all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Kim Dykes. Hello to our audience. This is Kim with the Coaster Challenge podcast, and I am thrilled for the opportunity to hear the story of my VIP guest. Today, I get the pleasure of talking to Ray Gonzalez a family man and coaster enthusiast who is the marketing leader of loyalty and consumer activation at SeaWorld San Antonio. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me and welcome to the podcast, Ray. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm honored to be here. Well, I am so excited to finally get to sit down with you and hear your story. We had the opportunity to talk and get to know each other a bit when I visited SeaWorld San Antonio back in June. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and speak with me that day. With that being said, we had just enough time to scratch the surface. So will you please share a few more things about yourself with me and help our listeners get to know you better? Sure. So um, again, Ray Gonzalez, uh, I work at SeaWorld San Antonio. Uh, I've been there for over 20 years. Um, I started off in the education department. I was actually a tour guide uh, before I actually worked my way over to marketing. Uh, And I've just worn a bunch of different hats in the marketing department. Uh, And right now I am over loyalty, but I kind of have my hands in everything, uh, especially when it comes to coaster enthusiasts and coaster groups like ACE and uh, brand new rides and attractions over at SeaWorld. Uh, happily married, have two daughters. Uh, one is about to graduate high school, which is uh, just being an, uh, a super exciting time for the family. Uh, and we're also park people. We love going to theme parks, riding rides. Um, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with me. I have a son that is probably, just, I think, just about a year behind your daughter. He's a junior in high school studying to get his driver's permit. Um, yep. <laughs> we're looking at graduation. That seems like it'll come in the blink of an eye. Oh, completely. Yeah. Like this year is just going by for us. And before you know it, it'll be May and she'll be a high school graduate. So it's exciting, but it's also kind of scary, you know? <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm, <laughs> I feel like right now is kind of calm before the storm. Exactly. And, um, so interesting. I did not realize that you had worn that many hats. Oh yeah, I, I do a lot. Um, I always say I'm the catch-on, the marketing catch-all. Um, you know, I, I I always say that I have a big problem with opening my mouth. 
uh, and coming up with ideas and stuff. So I get voluntold a lot uh, <laughs> because I, I come up with things and don't know when to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> well, in my particular case, I really appreciated that because I was really, you know, just expecting a regular, you know, trip to Texas. I did not realize I was going to be meeting you along the way. And uh, I just really appreciate the fact that you took the time. You sought me out, took the time to come and talk with me and meet me. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, of course. No, I, I love talking uh, to coaster peeps, of course, um, people that have a passion for that. Uh, you know, I've always said uh, people that go to theme parks are, are important, you know, so I love taking time uh, when I have the opportunity to, to come out and, and talk with people that I know, uh, industry folks, you know, it, it's worth the time uh, to build those relationships. So I'm glad that we had a chance to catch up and meet your family for a bit. Well, and it, you know, really left a mark in my mind. I think, you know, when I, when I do return to Texas, I'm not sure when that'll be, probably in a couple, two or three years, SeaWorld San Antonio is going to be someplace that I am very excited to return to. Definitely. We'd I love had, to have you again. I had a fantastic experience there. And the fact that you, you know, came to me, reached out, did a build a relationship with me. So thank you for that. Of course. Yeah. We'd love to see you again. All right. Well, the way our interview is going to work, the first part of the interview is kind of what we refer to as the roller coaster time machine. It's we're going to go back on your experience with coasters. And then the second half of the interview focuses more on you as an individual. Some of it is coaster related. Some of it may need be non-coaster related, depending on where the conversation takes us. Okay. So let's get started. So as we enter the roller coaster time traveler machine, first thing I would like to know is what was your very first coaster? So here in San Antonio, you know, born and raised in San Antonio, Texas, um, there used to be a very small amusement park uh, on the south side of San Antonio that had, I'll call it a wild mouse uh, roller coaster. I, I don't really think that it was a true wild mouse, but just your average kind of like carnival roller coaster. That was my first roller coaster that I had ever been on before. I can't even tell you what the name of that ride was because uh, I'm, I'm talking like over 20 years ago, you yes. know, uh -huh. many, many years ago. Um, but yeah, that was my first roller coaster. It's interesting that you have a memory of that because, you know, the first one I remember riding was the BC at Kings Island. But I know, you know, we went to fairs and carnivals and stuff before then. There's a distinct possibility <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I could have ridden someone, some, something somewhere at some point in time. And it just skipped my mind. But it's funny now because those coasters like that, that a lot of people that like, aren't enthusiasts that don't really, you know, count credits or whatever, look at right. as non-substantial those are coasters i seek out <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, for sure because they're one of a kind right you know they are um, and they don't make them like those anymore so i mean I, I totally get it especially when you're looking for credits right it's to find those um credits. specific special rides right yeah and i'm one of those people that go on a mission when i'm you know there in a state to get as many credits in that state as i can <laughs> and right. um yep. It doesn't matter what the coaster is and just to have the authentic experience of riding some of those. I've actually had people that I work with that follow my social media 
come to me and they're like, I didn't know you could get roller coaster credits at the state fair. (laughs) You absolutely can. Just because it's not the biggest, tallest, and fastest doesn't mean that it's not a coaster. Exactly. (laughs) So that's been quite a source of entertaining conversation at my work as well. (laughs) So looking back on the coasters that you've ridden, what would you say is the one coaster that scared you the most? Okay, don't don't laugh at me, but for me, it was Space Mountain at Disneyland. And let me tell you Mm -hmm. why. Uh, So I used to have when I was much younger, uh, I used to have my best friend at the time. Um, He was, you know, really big into just any sort of rides, flat rides whatsoever. We go to carnivals like he was one get on everything. I was the one that was more kind of terrified of things. So to me, he was kind of the daredevil. And he would always tell me about how he cried on Space Mountain. Um, and his, his mom and dad would tell me too, like he was absolutely terrified for it. So in my mind, you know, I just had this idea of this terrifying roller coaster. So when I happened to find myself, uh, in California to go to Disneyland, um, you know, knowing that Space Mountain was there, it, it kind of freaked me out a bit. Uh, and I was terrified to get on it. So, so that would be my number one roller coaster that kind of scared me. It's very interesting because my mind works, I think, a lot the way that yours did. I did not really become, I didn't become an enthusiast until 2019. And I really started riding roller coasters somewhat, a little bit, when I was 18. You know, through college, I wrote a few. Yeah. But... The main thing that kept me off coasters was what my family told me growing up. Right. Yeah. That has an effect on you for sure. It does. I mean, we would go to Kings Island once a year. We lived about an hour and a half from Kings Island in a little, very small town of like less than 10,000 people called Maysville, Kentucky. That's where I grew up. And I just kept getting told how scary everything was. Yep. And they would take me. I had two older sisters. I was the youngest of three. So I pretty much got stuck with wherever, wherever they took me around the park. I wasn't allowed to go off alone because I was seven years younger than the middle sister. They would take me on all these rides that would spin me really fast in tight circles. They made me throw up once. I mean, I hate tight circles like that to this sure. day. Yep. And that was what I was allowed to do. And uh, it was actually, I didn't really ride much. I think I might have ridden, I mean, I rode the Beastie. And I think I may have ridden the Racer. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I was 18 on my senior night at high school. I didn't want to be a complete outcast and be the only one, you know, not doing what everybody else was doing. They all wanted to ride Vortex. I was absolutely scared to death. I don't think I opened my eyes the whole ride. But that was back when that was back in Vortex's heyday when it was still running really well. You know, there wasn't any head banging or any of that that had developed in its later years. And after I got off of that, I was like, that's actually fun. I want to try to open my eyes and see, yep. see what I'm missing. 
Um, yeah, that's yeah. how that's how I kind of felt after finally writing Space Fountain and realizing just how fun it was, uh, you know. And I was like, I can't believe I was terrified of this ride, you know. Yeah. For so many years, this this legend just turned out not to be that. It was just a fun, you know, mm-hmm. little ride, really, um, you know. And so Space Mountain always has a special place for me because, you know, it was kind of I got over that fear um, getting on that ride. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it was just kind of baby steps after that. I remember, and I don't even remember when I went to college, I wasn't even at Kings Island every year. It was very sporadic, but I do remember riding Son of Beast. Mm -hmm. And that was back before it got bad. Back when it was newer. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that too. Yeah, that's awesome. You're fortunate to have been able to ride that ride for sure. Yeah, I rode it with a loop. I didn't, I had my son in 2005 and that was shortly after that they took the loop out. I didn't get to ride it without the loop and the stories I've read said that that's when it got brutally rough. I'm actually glad I didn't get to experience that. (laughs) But, and then after I had him, I mean, my son, has, he has autism. He was filled with, you know, just anxiety and fear. He controlled his life for many, many years. I wasn't back on a coaster until 2018. Wow. When he finally looked at Diamondback and wanted to try it. That's I mean, awesome. Yeah. I mean, we were both scared to death, but it's just been, <laughs> you know, it's been, it's been. First, it was baby steps, then giant leaps after that. There you go. Yep, that's how it works. After we figured out that was something we wanted to continue doing. So back on that very first ride on Space Mountain, how were you feeling when you approached the station? I was, you know, uh, I kind of felt like I had a little bit of anxiety, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I was, you know, kind of committed to I was going to get on that ride. Um, and so like the whole time, you know, walking through the queue line and getting into the station, uh, you know, was kind of stressful for me, but then they started noticing like just how everyone was just coming back with smiles. So I was just kind of like, well, maybe I'm missing something here, you know, and, and sure enough, you know, getting into the train and sitting down and then putting that lap bar on you, uh, and then, you know, going up, um, you know, the lift hill and, and just kind of seeing the bright lights and, you know, the kind of flickering, uh, trying to get you to feel that you're actually in space. Um, you know, as, as soon as you actually got into the ride building, um, that's when it was just like, oh, wow, this is like really cool, you know, uh, that it was just a great experience. And so, you know, it kind of blew my mind because I was just kind of like, you know, just this fear that I had of the ride uh, and for that to be unjustified and to know that it's just was just a fun ride at Disney. Uh, you know, it, it, it was just, you know, it was just great after that, you know, and, and really uh, after that ride, I was just, you know, still what I am today is I'll get on any roller coaster, doesn't matter what it is. Okay. I'm going to share a story with you as well, thinking about being scared. And I've got several stories that I've shared about different rides that I've actually been petrified of the first time I rode them, including coasters. But the one I want to share tonight doesn't involve a coaster. It's Drop Tower at Kings Island. Hmm. I got this harebrained idea back when I was about 22 or 23. 
I'd never been on anything bigger than Vortex, and I'd only ridden that a couple of times. Somebody said, hey, let's get on Drop Tower. So I'm like, sure, why not? I felt like calm. I didn't really feel that nervous. I got off of that ride walking sideways. <laughs> I had to go sit down for 30 minutes. It was horrendous. So, yeah. After that, I swore off drop towers for probably close to 20 years. After we, you know, became enthusiasts, I had written, you know, some of the world's most elite coasters. Yeah. Gary 325, Top Thrill Dragster, Still Vengeance. I mean, you know, the list just had gone on and on and on. And as of 2021, I still had not gotten back on Drunk Tower. <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually last uh, spring. I just looked at my son because he he had done Trop Tower a couple times, but each time it he'd done it, it scared him to death. And we had gone to these meetups where he got very involved in a group called Coaster Kids. I don't know if you're okay. familiar with yes. them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Logan Joyner, Jeff Joyner. Jay went to several of the meetups, and that's that's kind of what brought us into the uh, enthusiast community with some of the people that we met through Coaster Kids initially. I remember when we went to those meetups, they would always talk about dropping zombie style when you put your hands out and your feet out. And I don't know, we were just at King's Island one day. It was spring of 2021. And Jay and I looked at each other and it's like, this is it. Today's the day. We are declaring revenge on Drop Tower. Let's do this. <laughs> and... Um, I just kept telling myself, there's absolutely no reason. You've gone 120 miles an hour, up 420 feet in the air, yeah. without holding on. This is in your head. You can do this. And um, that was it. We went up there. I felt like I was going to die, but I let go. I did it. Got the hands out and feet out. And after that drop, it was great. Yeah. And... Um, there's been no more fear of drop towers after that. There you go. That's great. Yeah, we actually did. We did Falcon's Fury back in the spring. It was fantastic. And we got to do Zoom and Jaro. In oh, July very cool. At awesome. Six Days Great Adventure. It was an incredible. We actually got one of the rare dueling rides on Zoom and Jaro with King to Call. I, oh, was on, I was on the right edge and I saw King to Call race down this track. Right that, that's really cool. Me. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just literally tried to hold that in my mind. I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to be back at this park. I don't know if this is ever going to happen again, but it was one of the most incredible experiences of my entire life. Yeah, that's awesome. It was. So when you got off of Space Mountain for the first time, how did you feel when you got off the ride? I, I just loved it. I thought it was great. Ready to go back in line and get on it. Um, there were some other rides that we wanted to do, you know, being Disney uh, and how packed it, it it was. You know, it was like, let's try to go hit some other rides, uh, you know, hit basically all the major rides there at, at Disneyland. 
and then came back and rode Space Mountain a couple of times. I mean, I just thought it was a great ride. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, getting off of it was just excitement and ready to go do some more rides. There's a couple of rides that I respond to differently than others. Top Thrill Dragster and Fury. Both of them, even though after, you know, I came the initial anxiety in anticipation of the rides, I still had anxiety. <laughs> I was you know, determined I to overcome with both of those rides. Fury, I rode it for the first time in 2019. I just, I could not bring myself to let go on the drop. I didn't one time. And I chickened out and wouldn't ride it at night. Wow. And goodness, we went back. It wasn't until uh, 2021. We went back and the park was dead that day. It was supposed to storm and it didn't. And nobody came to the park. We did the whole park and we got 25 rides on Fury that day. And awesome. um, I was able to do, you know, hands up, feet out, but the Still, the the dark shadow was because it was post COVID. The park closed at seven. Yeah, <laughs> there was still no night rides. Yeah. So I wasn't even planning on going back there this year, but then plans change on a whim. I'm off during the summer, so that's when I do all my traveling and thrill seeking and running around. And we wound up back down in Carowinds, and this time the park was open until ten. There you go. So, yeah, we finally got, we had 35 rides that day. That's amazing. I love Fury. It's my number five. But uh, out of, I'm currently at 353. That's amazing. I've got a couple more credits coming next week, but that's going to be it for 2022 after that. But um, the night rides were incredible. And the same with Top Thrill Dragster. I mean, I felt so accomplished when I got off of it the first time. But daggone it, I saw these people putting their hands up on the lunch. And my hands were shaking so bad. I felt like <laughs> my, I don't know. I don't know if my, my hands were going to shake off of my arms. And like, I've got to do this. One way or another, I'm not leaving until I do it. And uh, we rode, that was back in 2019. No, 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 that was in 2020. The first time we went, it was in August of 2020. It took five rides in a row, but I did finally get my hands up on the launch. That's and awesome. Then I, and then I did it again, you know, to make sure I could still do it. And then I was really grateful we went back last year because I had a what the future held for Top Field or Extra sure. at that point in time. I, on our last night at Cedar Point last year, because I, I only typically go once a year. It's about six hours for me. We usually go for like, you know, two and a half to three days when we go. But um, I wanted to finish the night. It's still vengeance because that's my number one in the park. And... Kids were just insistent that we go to Top Thrill Dragster, which I'm very glad now, you know, looking back that we did. Yeah, we, yeah we for got, sure. We got six night rides on that. The line was non-existent that night. That's amazing. Yeah, that's know, awesome. And was able to, you know, just push through that. And then when we got on King to Call this year, 
it was so strange. I was, I, I thought I would be scared. I thought I would be nervous a little bit and just all the anxiety was gone. Just pure fun. Yeah. You were just ready to go. Yeah. I was just ready to go and pure fun. And I'm, I'm really glad that I'm at that point now where I can do that. And fear's not holding me back. From no, that's awesome. That, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. From living life to the fullest. It's such good stress relief too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah. You can let go of that. You can, you can handle anything all day, every day. So after you got off of Space Mountain for the first time, did it impact your life in any way? I don't think so. Um, if anything, it just made me feel like I could just ride any roller coaster I wanted to. Um, so, so maybe mm -hmm. to a point of that, you know, um, when we go to theme parks, if there's a coaster there, we're, we're going to get on it. Um, the only time that we, we will not get on roller coasters is if we're just there, like if we're going for like a food festival and really yeah. that's how we're going to hit or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll do that. You know, there's many times where, you know, we, we've been to Orlando, I don't know how many times, um, mm -hmm. but you know, we, we know those parks like the back of our hands. And so when we go, we're usually going for like some sort of event, like, you know, Halloween Horror Nights or something, for example. Um, and when, when we go for that stuff, you know, it, it's literally just for the event. Mm -hmm. um, if we have time and, you know, the, the lines aren't crazy, we'll go and get on a ride or whatever. But uh, usually that's not not the, the focus of it. Um, but yeah, you know, if it's a possibly a, a new credit or a ride that we've never been to, then for sure we'll make the effort to get on it. Okay. You know, and when I visit new parks, that's why I typically, unless it's a smaller park, you know, such as SeaWorld that I know I can do reasonably within a day, I typically allow two days, two full, two full days, sometimes two and a half, you know, depending on the size of the park. So I can fully experience everything. Yeah. You know, sure. and I do love coasters. I love coaster credits, but I like to experience the park as well, <laughs> you know, yep. to see whether or not you know, how soon I want to return. And, you know, mentioning Halloween Horror Nights, that I did get to go to Orlando. I've been to Orlando twice now. I got to go to um, Orlando last October, but it was one of those things. It was really an unplanned trip. It was actually a meetup for this podcast, but uh, that was the first time I really heard about Halloween nights and that sort of thing and that's not an event i've gotten to attend yet but it is one that i'm very eager to attend in the yeah you, you got to do hhn it's 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 worth it it's worth going um you got to give yourself some time uh, to really enjoy the whole thing but mm -hmm. it, it's it's probably uh, my family's favorite event or at least my wife and i's family a favorite event our executive producer andrew lives there in orlando and he's at halloween horror nights throughout the yeah, for sure. throughout the haunt season and <laughs> i keep seeing these pictures and videos and different things and i can't wait to experience that event for myself sometime so looking back on all of your coaster riding experiences what has been your craziest moment on a coaster or in a theme park um so you know, I was uh, proud to be a part of the uh, uh, the building of Texas Stingray at, at SeaWorld in 2019. Um, and we had done such a great job of being ahead uh, 
of our, our construction schedule. So when we were commissioning the ride, uh, surprisingly, it was extremely cold here in Texas. Uh, and we were just above uh, the cold point that we could actually operate the ride. Uh, and so we had just gotten the, the roller coaster turned over to us from GCI. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went up to watch some of my colleagues in our operations department get on for the first time. And uh, when I got there, they had me get on as well. And, you know, going through that ride, riding it for the first time, which was, you know, fantastic ride, but it was so cold uh, that, you know, we were just frozen when we came back into the train station. Uh, and so that that moment always sticks in my head. And I kind of felt like that scene from uh, Dumb and Dumber when they're riding the little <laughs> motorcycles and they just have all this frozen yeah. snot, you know, that's kind of <laughs> how I felt when I got off the roller coaster. Um, but that is probably my most memorable moment of, of being on a roller coaster ever. Now, I'm curious, what is the coldest temperature you all can run that at? I don't even remember off the top of my head, but I think it's, um, I want to say it's 42, I think. Okay. Uh, anything lower than that, we can't run it. Because I know they run Mystic Timbers. It's actually one of the only two coasters open at Kings Island during Winterfest. And I'm crazy enough. I've not done this yet. We were going to do this last year. But then um, the person that coordinated it got sick. This year, we're going to try to do a polar plunge on oh, nice. September's where we ride in uh, shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea, though. That, that Derek Winterfest, awesome. I don't know if I'm going to love or hate that experience, but I've committed <laughs> myself to it. And, um, that's awesome that's I don't great know if you can see it on camera but i've actually got my texas stingray shirt on this evening oh awesome I, glad you're wearing it i love absolutely love texas stingray it's one of my favorite gcis that's a we i had i had enough time to write it i remember t- we rode 10 times the that's day awesome. that i was there and hopefully next time i'll have enough time to make it 20 i just there you absolutely go loved it and I can't imagine Texas being that cold. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago we we had a snowstorm here, uh, and the the park was white. You know, when even our water park just had snow everywhere. So you know, it, it's really random when it happens in Texas. It doesn't happen all the time, but you know, when it does, it it really comes down. Oh my goodness! Now is that something that happens yearly or just every few? Years? No, it, it's kind of like a once in a lifetime kind of experience. Um, oh, the okay. one that happened a, a couple of years ago, I think it was—I can't even think of the year that it happened, but it, it was within like the last five years. Um, okay. That was a big thing because you know here in Texas we just can't handle um, that type of snow. The city isn't prepared for that, so like San Antonio shuts oh. down really quickly. Oh, that's not something I'd ever thought of. Because you know, yep. Mm-hmm. Up here in Kentucky, I'm used to the snow plows, the salt trucks, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think the city, if I'm not mistaken, only has one de-icer in the entire city. It's just one. So that's completely debilitating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so w- when it gets really bad here, uh, the state has to send in like it, its crew to de-ice the highways and everything for people to get around. Okay. So do you count coaster credits? I do not. Okay. Uh, and the only reason for that is because I know I've, I've ridden rides, uh, you know, that I couldn't tell you when or where, so uh-huh. I've never really had an official count. I just rode Green Lantern this year at Six Flies Great Adventure. And people just assume, you know, because I'm from Kentucky, 
oh, you wrote it when you when it was Chang at Kentucky Kingdom, didn't you? I had been to Kentucky Kingdom once years ago. I cannot for the life of me remember if I rode Chang. So I didn't count it yeah. <laughs> until I rode Green Lantern and I was sure. And, you know, I'm one of these people, too. I'll count a ride once. I don't care if it's moved locations or whatever, you know. Sure. It's still the same ride. I don't care if it has a different name. It's still the same layout. So that's totally understandable. Yeah. Out of all of the coasters you've ridden, what is your favorite coaster? Mako in Orlando. That's that's Ooh. my favorite. That's an awesome one. Yeah, that 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 one is my favorite. Um, I haven't ridden it in a couple of years already, uh, just because normally when I'm down in Orlando, especially at the park, uh, it's usually for business, and so I, I usually don't have the time to go and get on. But um, I was able to ride it uh, for the first time with some colleagues uh, being down there, and we rode it like three times in a row, and uh, it was just like it was just, it's just a phenomenal ride. What specifically did you like about it? Do you remember? Uh, airtime easy it, it's oh. just the airtime oh. on that ride like you are just constantly floating in your seat right yes. you you know and then you look at this little shell that that has that's on your waist and it's just mm -hmm. like this is holding me in from wow. flying off onto international drive right i have ridden eight b&m hypers and the thing that stands out to be about to me about mako is and the forcefulness of the airtime, you don't just float up, it pulls you up. Right. Mm -hmm. Very forcefully. <clears throat> and it's so sustained. It just, I feel like it's more sustained than the other hypers I've been, been on. It has a great design on it. So, I mean, you know, yes. it, it was designed perfectly and it's just, it's a great ride for the park. And in general, it's just a great coaster. Have you been on Candymonium? I have not. I, I've never been up to Hershey Park. Usually uh, it, it's difficult for us to kind of get up to like the Northeast. Mm -hmm. So all those parks up there, I've not had the pleasure of, of, be, of visiting. I did get to get on Candymonium when we did our East Coast trip in July. And that one is, it runs a very close second to Mako. Those two are in a league of their own, in my opinion, apart. From yeah, I'm hoping that if we can get up to Hershey Park, then I'll definitely get to ride Candemonium because I've heard nothing but great things about it. It's incredible. The other one I'm looking forward to, too, that I'm hoping to ride next year is Behemoth. I've heard that's a great coaster, too, for sure. I have yeah. heard great things about it, but we haven't been to Canada's Wonderland. But that's, that's another one that has me very excited. Sure. So... Mako is your favorite coaster. What is your least favorite coaster that you've ridden, if you have one? Sure. Uh, so that would be uh, Poltergeist at Fiesta Texas um, here in San Antonio as well. Uh, you know, it, it's a premier coaster. Um, for me, you know, riding that coaster, I always felt uncomfortable in the car mm -hmm. uh, with, the, with the restraint system in it. I just didn't like it. And then you know, that, that coaster has been around, I dare say, since like 99. So it, it's not a, a new coaster. But um, when I used to ride it before, they, they kind of refurbished it within the last yep. year or so. Um, when you took off on that thing, like my head would just be beat side to side. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I couldn't even tell you the last time that I rode it. But getting off of that ride, I just said, I will never get on this ride again because I just have a pounding headache. 
that's understandable. And it's very interesting for me through talking with all the different people that I've talked to, how different people experience the same coaster right. in many different ways. Poltergeist, for me, was one of the better rides of that design that I've been on. Mm. Flight of Fear at King's Island is a lot rougher gotcha. than Poltergeist. And um, the one at King's Dominion was a little bit better. But when we got on Poltergeist, we're like, oh, <laughs> it's actually okay. Now it was. And, and when you got on that, Kim, was it green already? Yeah. Okay, so you got on after the refurbishment. Okay, so, that would be so, why. So yeah, exactly. So I haven't been on since they refurbed it, um, okay. just because you know, like I said, the last time I got on it, my my head just took such a beating that I'm just like sure. kind of turned off by it. That that would explain. Like, but even then, I will not put my hands up on those rides. Yeah. No, because I, I hold on and, you know, sit a certain way to keep my head from doing that because <laughs> exactly I'm very sensitive to migraines. And if I, if I get a migraine, I'm done. Yeah. You're just done for the day. I'm done for the day. And I, I will not put myself at risk of doing like that to myself. You know, we were talking earlier about those rare credits. It's actually quite funny. Looking back at my worst coaster, before this last little hoorah that I took over Labor Day weekend through the state of Illinois to get coaster credits, really? um, my least favorite coaster was Vortex at Carolyn's. Well, we took a day when we were in Illinois. We had a lot of different things we did. I went to see Scorpions live. Nice. Thursday night. Oh, it was the performance of a lifetime. I will never forget it. I just hope that I get to see them again sometime. And it's but, funny you say that because I actually think the Scorpions are here in San Antonio this week. <laughs> if you could go see it, just 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 see it. Don't ask questions. Just go do it. <laughs> they sound just as good, if not better, than they did. That's 30, awesome. 35 years ago. Klaus's voice has not lost anything. I mean, if, if anything, his voice has gotten better. That's and great. It's incredible to see the shape these guys are in. Rudolph Schenker, he just turned 74 years old. He was literally running all over that stage, jumping up in the air. He's a, I mean, it's people like that, <laughs> I see, that motivate me with my fitness. You know, yeah, I'm telling shape, you, it's, it's, it's like, like they say. You know, rock and roll keeps you young, right? So yeah. I mean, and I'm like, if you take care of yourself, when I see people like that, they can do that on a stage. I'm like, I can keep writing coasters. I can keep getting, you know, doing what I love if I take care of my body. Just got to keep yep. doing it. But anyway, while we were there, we did that. We met up some, with some friends that live near Chicago at Six Flags Great America. But the day before that, we did a day of credit, cha well, credit chasing, you know, trying to get as many credits as we could that we were missing in the state of Illinois. The last stop of the day that I had even planned on, because I didn't think we would have time to do it, but as luck had it, we had time to do it, was Grady's. And um, it's funny because my 350th coaster wound up being this uh, dragon wagon. But uh, they had... <laughs> I didn't even know if I would hit 350. I didn't know what it would be on. It was just, you know, one of those life happens sort of things. 
but um, they had a kitty one. That is the absolute tiniest coaster. I didn't even think they would let us on it. I'm, <laughs> I'm only five foot three. I had to sit sideways. <laughs> and he let me get in it. Like, okay, if I can get myself in the seat, I'm going to ride this thing. Oh my Lord. I was literally just screaming, ow. The whole time. The whole time. And it was my way of dealing with it. I was laughing like a hyena. <laughs> just yelling, ow, make it stop. The whole ride. And of course, that thing must have gone around 20 times. It was one of the longest kitty <laughs> rides I've ever been on in my life. The next day, I had bruises on my shins. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope it was worth it. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if somebody could pay me to put myself through that again. <laughs> so now we're going to exit the coaster time capsule. And talk about you, Ray Gonzalez, the man. Tell me about your career at SeaWorld. I know you mentioned earlier some of the different roles you've had. You know, what are the different roles you've had in the park? You know, what have have you found the most fulfilling? What do you think? Sure. So I I started off um, at SeaWorld as a tour guide. Um, So I just did basic, you know, tours, behind the scenes tours with the animals, things like that. Um, So I was in the education department, um, worked my way up, uh, became program manager. So I was basically over scheduling all the different programs that we had there for school groups or for, you know, corporate groups that would come out and want to do a tour at the park. Um, Then I got promoted to supervisor of tours. Um, So to this day, um, all the programs that we have at SeaWorld San Antonio from the education side of them, uh, you know, the tours, school programs, things, um, either I had a hand in or helped create Um, So even some of the newer programs that we have still kind of have some of my uh, input from from the past. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like kind of had like the blueprint there. Um, So while I was in education um, over tours, uh, I got trained on a new POS system that the park was using that the park had created, the company had created. Uh, And over time, I kind of became the only unicorn that knew how to use that system Uh, and that led to me moving over to the marketing department, uh, because of my knowledge of that system and just in computers in general and understanding how to build websites, things like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I moved over to the digital team. So I helped build the websites for SeaWorld San Antonio, um, for a couple of years. And then from there, uh, I got promoted into park loyalty, uh, and, uh, what was over all the annual pass program and all the annual pass holders that come to our park. Uh, And then from there, it just kind of grew for me. Um, So, you know, basically leading up to COVID, I I would say, you know, I was already doing all brand new rides and attractions at the park. Um, I was already somewhat of a liaison to all the roller coaster groups that come to our park. Uh, And then, you know, within the last couple of years, you know, I kind of had a hand in our social um, channels. Uh, Most of the posts you see up there are from me. Um, so did social for a bit. I did website again for a bit. Uh, I also did email for a while. Um, so I basically just kind of had my hand in everything. And then I was also, um, supporting our PR team, our PR director, 
uh, for, for all things, you know, having to do with the park again, you know, makes sense being over brand new rides and attractions that I would also have a role with that. So doing interviews on TV, things like that, you know, uh, press conferences, all that good stuff, going to IAPA, uh, mm-hmm. you know, announcing the new things that are coming to our park. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of everything that I, that I've been over, uh, in my time here in the marketing department. Oh, that's absolutely fascinating. You are a man of so many talents. Oh, thanks. I try. <laughs> You're welcome. And, um, you know, the fact that you just, you have taught that you still manage to make the time for your family. I mean, and do everything that you've done to have such an impact on that park. It's truly remarkable. Thank you. You're welcome. And you mentioned IAPA. That's another event I've not had the opportunity to attend yet. Oh, you got to go. Um, IAPA is extremely important for our industry. Um, It's a great place to meet people, um, you know, enthusiasts, blogger, Mm -hmm. vloggers, media, all that great stuff. And then, of course, you know, uh, all the major players in the industry when it comes Mm -hmm. to ride manufacturing, everyone is there. Um, it's a great experience to be able to walk that floor and see all the cool new technologies that are coming into theme parks. Um, there's, you know, um, lots of models of rides that haven't even been announced yet. Uh, people make announcements there at IAPA. It, it's just a really rewarding experience, especially when you're in the industry. As a school teacher, I get three personal days a year. And that was something that I actually mentioned to Andrew previously the one that our executive producer that lives in Mm -hmm. Orlando. I took two of my personal days this year already. So I could go see Scorpions because, you know, (laughs) those guys are getting older. Yep. Apple will still be there. The Scorpions. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I've never seen them live. And so, you know, that was another one of those bucket list things. And I couldn't, they're not even in the United States, you know, but every few years. True. And so I'm like, well, I need to go do this now because I don't know if I'm going to get another opportunity, you know, to do it again. But, you know, once the opportunity rolls around, be it next year or the year after, I've got those personal days and I've not, you know, used, used them. That's probably something I'm going to use those for hopefully sometime in the near future. Awesome. Got, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I've got one personal day left this year and I typically save that for the Friday of Coaster Stock. There you go. Yeah. Spring. Okay. So looking at your current role at SeaWorld San Antonio, what responsibilities do you currently have in the role of marketing leader and loyalty? What does that entail? Yeah. It's, it's basically everything I kind of told you. I, I basically am the marketing catch-all. That's how I kind of put it. Um, because even as we've, um, you know, brought more team members on uh, to kind of relieve me of dealing with website and email and social, I still mm-hmm. have a day-to-day involvement with that, especially being over the past program, okay. um, you know, because that, of course, that, that deals with all the different promotions that we're doing, all yeah. the different offers that we're doing. So that, that's just a constant thing for me. And of course, you know, uh, we do a really amazing job of continuing to bring value to our pass holders with new rides and attractions. Mm-hmm. And so again, that kind of hits all those points same thing with uh, PR as well. So, so for me, it, it's kind of just this never-ending roller coaster per se uh, of, of of work and you know rewarding stuff to be able to do to bring to people that come to our park. 
Well, and it just really hats off to you that you have as many responsibilities as you have and you still find the time, make the time to come and interact yep. with the public, such as myself. I mean, that's not something that I experience. And yeah, I do my best um, to also get out there for past members. So even when we have events and stuff, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, I make myself available to hear the good stuff, the bad stuff, um, you know, just to interact. Uh, you, you know, it's rewarding when people see you and they come up, you know, just to come talk to you for a couple minutes. Uh, you know, um, it, it's just really rewarding to see people happy. Uh, and then, you know, if there is a problem or issue to be able to work through that and make sure that our past members are happy with, you know, their purchase, of course, mm -hmm. uh, you know, past members are extremely important because they are the lifeblood of the park. Uh, without past members, you don't have a pass space, you don't have a park. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it is very important for me to have my face out there uh, to shake hands, like I always say, uh, and for them to know me on a first name basis. Well, you know, and I told pretty much anybody that would listen after my experience, you know, if you've not been to San Antonio, you need to go visit. I haven't even really sat down and counted all the parks I've been to this year. It's a lot. Yeah, you, have you've, been say, around, you've been going around a yeah, lot. Yeah. yeah, but of all the places I've been, you really left an impact on me, made me feel the most welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that, you know, for me, that's when I go back to Texas, I don't care where the new coasters are. I don't, you know, where the credits are. That's SeaWorld San Antonio is likely the first place I'm going to go. Awesome. So looking back on your tenure at SeaWorld, what do you feel has been your greatest accomplishment and why? That That's a good question. Um, I, I don't I don't know if there is one particular accomplishment that I would say that I'm overly proud of. Um, I, I think I am more proud of seeing people come to the park and just have a great time to see smiles on people's faces, uh -huh. uh, you know, or, or when, like I was telling you, you know, uh, when I'm talking with people and they just come and tell me, you know, that they love what we're doing. You know what I mean? When I mm -hmm. see comments on social and people are just telling us like, you know, I just want to tell you, I had a great time at the park. To me, that is the most rewarding thing. Um, you know, uh, being a family man myself, you know, when we go on vacation, you know, and I take my daughters somewhere, I want them to have a great experience. Yes. And so, you know, um, seeing other people have that fun experience when they come to our mm -hmm. park, you know, my home, uh, it, it really does uh, have an effect on me to say like, okay, we're doing things right. Well, and you know, it's really clear to me that you have a passion for what you're doing. It's for sure. not just a job. Right. And just like me, I'm in my 24th year of teaching. And, you know, I'm at a point in my career where a lot of teachers, honestly, you know, they burn out. They sure. Yeah. Back, they're it's waiting on work. retirement. They're miserable. And the kids in their classroom are miserable right along with them. And uh, I'm still learning new things. I still feel like my work isn't done. You know, I'll know yep. when my work's done. And I'll right. know when it's time to leave, but it's not yet. But when you're doing what you have a passion for, you don't really feel like you're working 
Yeah. And it also, you know, is helpful when you work with great people. Yes. Uh, the, the people that I work with are just absolutely amazing. They're mm-hmm. like family to me. Um, you know, um, when people say like, you know, you've, you've been there for so long, like, how do you stay or why do you stay? Uh, you, you know, one of the biggest reasons is the people that I work with. I like what I do and I love the people that I work with. Yes. And then of course, you know, I, I have the support of my wife at home. I have mm-hmm. the support of my kids, you know, so yeah. it, it's just a perfect scenario for me. Yeah. And it's definitely that intrinsic motivation Yep, that keeps a person not just in their career, but fresh. Exactly. In their career for the long haul. And yes, the people, it's a complete necessity. And it starts, you know, at the top with yep, the leadership agreed. Yep. and trickles its way down. You know, I have a principal and an assistant principal that are never in their office. They are out and about. They're in the classrooms. They're working with the kids. You know, they're very visible. I've never for one minute felt like, you know, I'm working for them. I feel like I'm working with them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the atmosphere they've created. And, you know, whether it's a bad day, something good comes out of every day when you've got a passion and a purpose. Agreed. Everybody around you shares in that. Yep. Absolutely. So looking back on your career at SeaWorld, you know, thinking ahead also, how has it impacted your life? Well, I mean, it, it is my life, right? You know, yeah. I've been there for so long. Uh, you know, my wife and I got engaged there at the park. Uh, you know, when we got married, it was, you know, friends from work that were there. Um, you, you know, uh, my kids grew up at, at the park. So, you know, it, it has a, a huge, it's had a huge effect on my life. Uh, you know, a lot of our close friends, uh, our closest group of friends that we had are people that either currently work at the park or formerly worked at the park. And so, you know, uh, SeaWorld has basically just attached itself to us and, and has a role in basically everything that's happened for us, uh, you know, in our professional careers and our personal lives. So. That's very interesting. I did not realize you had, I mean, I knew you had personal connection there. Mm-hmm. That's such a strong family connection as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it, it's really funny because uh, um, my kids grew up at the park. You know, they've, they've seen every animal. They've seen rides open. They've seen everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when, when I asked them, like, hey, do you want to go to the park or do you want to go this? It's the last place they want to be, right? Because they've just, they've seen it all. They've done it all. Uh, which is just a funny thing. And, and I think that we, you know, we've spoiled them from, you know, going to Disney and universal and all those parks that, yeah. you know, if it's not that they don't, they don't care to go. Um, but, but yeah, no, definitely the, the park has just had a, a huge role on, on our lives. Um, you, you know, uh, yeah. It, you know, very thankful for it because it, it has given us a lot. Well, and you know, life really does come full circle. Agreed. When, yep. when you're where you when you where you're meant to be, everything just kind of works out. Yep, totally. And it makes me very excited for you to see what's going to come next. Oh, because thanks. You definitely do not sound like you're finished. Yeah, 
in many not. way in many ways just beginning just getting yeah. started <laughs> <laughs> i feel that way too as i'm constantly challenging myself and teaching myself new things you know yep, what i, I want to do in my classroom i'm like you know this is either going to go really well or it's going to go really bad but the only way i'm going to know is to try Exactly. And I also think that I benefit too from meeting so many people in the industry, uh, you know, having friends that are, you know, colleagues in other parks and things. And, uh, you know, I learn something from everyone. And so I'm constantly trying to better myself as a marketing professional and as a theme park professional as well. You know, um, I don't, you know, think that I know it all. Uh, I continually learn, um, but I am thankful to, to know so many people in the industry. It's interesting that you said that because um, I'm the same way. You cannot improve. You cannot get better. I don't even think you can sustain over, you know, a lifetime in a career. If you think you have all the answers. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And you're not willing to self-reflect you know, look at what you're doing well, but then also look at what you could improve on. Find people that are the best of the best. Look at what they're doing. Ask questions, you know, don't yep. be afraid to ask, be humble. Yeah, ask exactly. questions, learn from them. And, you know, just keep yourself, just keep improving because you know, I never dreamt 24 years <laughs> in a yeah. teaching. Some days it's like I'm starting all over again, but it excites me at the same time. Yep. Yeah. You got to have a passion for what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So you've talked about kind of the impact that it's had on your life. What impact do you strive to have on others through the work that you do at SeaWorld? Um. You know, I, I was kind of talking earlier about just making sure that families, when they come to the park, that they have a great experience and they're making memories for their families, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, too, I also do my best to make sure that those up-and-coming professionals in the theme park industry have what they need to support and continue to carry our industry, right? Yes. Um, because that's very important. Um, sometimes I feel that uh, the industry is changing, um, you know, sometimes not all for the good, uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, we, we can't go quietly into the night. We, we have to make sure that uh, we continue to bring uh, amazing experiences for people that come to our parks. Uh, and the only way to do that is by helping those younger professionals as they come into the park to learn, you know, what it is that we do and why we do it. Yes. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's a very, very important thing when it comes to our industry. Yes. And you have to leave a legacy. There have to be people coming, you know, mm -hmm. up and coming behind you that understand the purpose. Exactly. You know, of what's happening in order for it to continue. Right. And uh, yeah, I get it totally what you're saying with the changes yep. in the industry. They're happening so rapidly. I don't even have enough time as much of an enthusiast as I am to keep up, you know, with all of the changes that are happening around the country. Yep. Some for the better, some eh, not so sure. 
you know, but um, and definitely just because the thing I've noticed, you know, even with amusement parks and the competitive nature, just because you're at the top of the game in the year 2022, by 2025, your park could be a thing of yesterday. No, 100% true. Yeah. You know, sure. just with all of the advancements and things that are taking place and, you know, with funding, staffing, the whole nine yards, it's definitely not an industry that I could see that's easy to stay, you know, competitive with yep. everything that's happening. Agreed. Yep. All right. Now, my next topic that I want to discuss with you is advice. Sure. I mean, you seem very content, very, you know, like dream come true life with work <laughs> and with your family. What advice can you give to those that are listening, whether it be, you know, about facing fear, work or life in general? Um, I think that uh, the big thing is that you have to be willing to adjust. Um, and that is, you know, not just professionally, but also just in day-to-day -day life, right? You, you have to be able to adjust things. Things aren't going to always be perfect. Things are going to change. Uh, and it really tells the type of person that you are if you are able to adjust to the things around you. Um, you know, I always say, you know, we all know the saying, you know, things, um, you know, um, what's the saying? Um, it won't kill you, just makes you stronger, right? Yes. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it, it's true, you know, you, you will have challenges throughout life, whether, especially if it's professional uh, things, yes. things happen, things change, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you just have to be able to adjust to that, uh, make a plan and move forward. But that, that's the key, right? Is that you just keep moving forward. Yes. And I mean, you know, that's kind of a philosophy that I led by. You can make excuses or you can find a way to get results. <laughs> exactly. Get the job done. There's, you know, there, there's no in between. You know, there's, you can look at the life as half full or half empty. I look back, you know, very beginning of the school year this year, they stuck this new technology, brand new smart panel in my classroom, took the old one out, <laughs> but I knew how to use. No directions, no training or anything. Just here it is. <laughs> and I'm like, great. And, you know, a couple more days, I'm going to have 30 kids in this classroom and I have no idea how to use this thing. So what do I do? Turn it on, start messing around with it. Once I hit roadblocks, call other teachers that I know have a better technology brain than I do. Yeah. And figure out what you know figure out how to make this work because you know, yeah gotta get the job done one way or another excuses to fail or reasons to succeed that's what okay and i can also reflect on that with my weight loss you know we were discussing this actually just yesterday in school we had a speaker and he had written a book called dribble dribble and, you know, dribble, dribble was when you don't try, you know, try insinuate. If you say you're going to try to do something, it instead insinuates that failure is a possibility. When you say you're going to do it, failure is not an option. You know, and I, that's a story I, story I shared. I tried 
for many years. I got depressed after my mom passed away and um, I just ate all the time, sat around and ate emotional eating. I got up to 245 pounds and I'm only, you know, five foot three. So it was pretty, very overweight for me. I had ruptured tendons in my feet. I had bad arthritis in my knees. I could barely walk. It was, you know, just horrible. And um, for years I tried, tried to lose weight, you know, and wasn't, wasn't successful. And it was actually becoming an enthusiast that motivated me because my daughter wanted me to take her to Super Bowl. I, I knew before we went, like, I know I won't put on Millennium Force or Top Thrill Dragster. So yeah. that was the kick in the behind I, I needed. And I just decided, you know what? I'm done trying. I'm going to do this. You know, and it took almost three years because I'm, I'll be 47 years old in November, you know, well, it doesn't come off as fast as it used to. <laughs> it took almost yeah. three years. But, but now you've been successful. You're yeah. thriving with it and you're just yeah. killing it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I did a lost, lost as much as I weigh, but it, yeah. again, it was that decision to do, you know, stop trying to do. Exactly. Okay. And our last question is where can we find you on social media if people would like to connect with you and learn more about you? So I'm on LinkedIn, of course, Ray Gonzalez, and also on Facebook. Um, I don't really, uh, I, I do get on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, but I don't really have my own personal accounts. It's just, you know, from working uh, mm-hmm. in, in those channels there, but definitely LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, you can find me. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I've really enjoyed hearing your story. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you for taking time to hang out with me this evening. I appreciate it and hope to see you in Texas soon. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.